Hollow Windows and Doors of Wisconsin's innovative hidden screen folds away when closed, keeping it clean while bringing in a ton more sun. Choose 0% financing for 72 months or a free upgrade to the hidden screen on our 250 series. Visit PellaWI.com today. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Lots of ground to cover. Let us get right to it. Uh, This... The other day, in Buffalo, New York, there was another firebombing of a pro-life clinic. Um, same sort of thing has happened about a month ago, and the the same group, um, Jane's Revenge, claiming credit for this, saying that there's going to be more of this sort of stuff happening. And again, it appears same modus operandi, you know, Molotov cocktails and things like that, as happened in Madison. The breaking news from this morning is a man was detained by police near the residence of Supreme Court Justice Brett M. Kavanaugh. He lives in Maryland. Uh, the man described as being from California in his mid-20s, taken into custody by police after telling officers he wanted to kill Justice Kavanaugh. He apparently did not make it onto Kavanaugh's property, but was stopped on a nearby street and was car- found to be carrying at least one weapon and burglary tools. Uh, people familiar with the investigation said initial evidence indicates he was angry about the leaked draft of an opinion by the Supreme Court signaling that the court was prepared to overturn Roe versus Wade. So you, you have another one of these kooks that is out there deciding that the way they are going to respond to the constitutional question of whether or not there is a constitutional right of abortion is to, I don't know, try to blow up pro-life clinics or, in this case, try to presumably kill a Supreme Court justice. This is this is a big deal that's out there, and I sent out a tweet about this. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. That that I raise on different occasions. It is amazing to me and disappointing to me that it's now been a month since the bombing of the pro life clinic in Madison. Um, people have taken credit for it. And and yet you hear almost nothing about that. If this was, and appropriately so, if this was a planned parenthood clinic that had been subject to a firebombing and you had a terrorist group that was claiming credit and saying, hey, we're going to kill more people and we're going to continue doing this, this, you would have federal agents that would be swarming the place and pursuing every lead in an attempt to crack down on this terrorist organization. And yet... The terrorist organization in this case that's out there firebombing pro-life centers is emboldened. Nothing's been done to them. Nobody's been caught over the course of, you know, the last month or so. And now they're doing this again. And, I mean, look, the bottom line is there needs to be a massive federal response to this because these kooks are going to ultimately kill a whole lot of people. And it doesn't matter to me whether you're pro-life or pro-choice. doesn't matter to me where you feel about the whole uh, Roe versus Wade situation. you got people throwing firebombs into buildings, and they are proud of it. 
They are bragging about it. And with all the different resources we have in this country, you would, since this group isn't ashamed of what it's doing, you would think that we would have been able to catch some of the leaders of this so far and maybe at least start the process of bringing them to justice. And if we keep waiting, it's going to be too late. And whether it's going to be some kook going after a United States Supreme Court justice or whether it's going to be a group of terrorists that end up firebombing a building when there's actually people inside it and you have a whole bunch of people that die, it's time to wake up and recognize that you know we, we need to crack down on this domestic terrorism. There's all sorts of domestic terrorism, and this is one element of it, and it's still amazing to me that almost a month after that Madison firebombing, there, there still aren't suspects who are in custody. And what happens is when you don't catch those suspects and you let them run loose, you, you have what happened in Buffalo the other day. All right. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have told you over the last week that there are a couple things that Tony Evers and the Republican legislature could do tomorrow, which would reduce the burden of gas prices on all of us in Wisconsin. One is they could suspend the 33 cents a gallon state sales tax on gasoline, put a moratorium in for the summer months. That would save about 33 cents a a gallon. Use some of the COVID money that's floating around or some of the budget surplus money that's floating around. Use that to continue to do the road work. You could do that in instant, instinct, instant. The other thing you could do is once and for all repeal the minimum markup law, which causes retailers to have to mark up gasoline over 9%. You do those two things, and that $5.19 a gallon I paid this morning when I filled up my tank, it reduces itself by 70 cents. You're talking, now you're down to 4.49, which is still ridiculous, but it's down to 4.49. Want me to get it to around $4? Well, I've got something else that could be done right away, and this is something that uh, Robin Voss, who's the assembly speaker, is now calling on. And it's something that Joe Biden could do tomorrow that would help the people of Wisconsin out. And it's something that you would like to think that Tony Evers could get behind. Here's the deal. In southeastern Wisconsin, we are one of only nine regions in the entire country that the EPA requires to, during the summer months, Use a special blended fuel, this reformulated gas, this RFG. We are one of only nine regions in the country that have to use this because of EPA regulations. Because, again, it's supply and demand. They have to produce a special sort of gasoline, a special blend for those of us in southeastern Wisconsin to use. It's It, it costs more. It's like anything. You order a specialty type of thing. You, you buy a couch off the floor, it's going to be one thing. You order a specially made couch, it's going to be another. The estimate is because we are required to use reformulated gas here in southeastern Wisconsin, our price at the pump is about 40 cents above what it would otherwise be. So here I have in my hand the letter from Robin Voss 
to the director of Joe Biden's Environmental Protection Agency. Dear Administrator Reagan, his name is uh, Michael Reagan. We are con- not that Michael Reagan. We are contacting you as members of the Wisconsin legislature to implore your consideration of lifting the fuel blending requirements. This condition directly affects southeast Wisconsin corner of our state where reformulated gasoline, RFG, is required. We understand that the EPA has the authority to waive this regulation if the administrator finds one extreme and unusual fuel supply circumstances exist that prevent the distribution of an adequate supply of fuel and consumers. Two, such extreme and unusual conditions are the result of a natural disaster or similar event that could not have been foreseen or prevented and not because of lack of prudent planning on the part of suppliers. And three, it is in the public interest to grant the waiver. With the pandemic swelling prices due to inflation, the war in Ukraine, and President Biden's executive orders impacting the gas and oil industries, we feel all three exceptions have been met, giving the EPA the ability to authorize a waiver of the RFG requirements. As you are aware, gas prices in our country are at an all-time high. Many citizens are feeling the pinch at the pump and looking for any form of relief. Currently, gas prices in Wisconsin's RFG area are, wait for it, on average 40 cents higher per gallon than prices in areas of Wisconsin not required to have blended fuels. Lifting the fuel blending requirement will give citizens in those counties significant savings over time, etc., etc. Again, we urge your utmost consideration of this common sense proposal. It will provide much needed relief to citizens across the United States who use RFG every day and demonstrate the ability of the EPA to react to our nation's need in a time of economic uncertainty. And it is signed by a number of Republican legislators, including Devin LeMahieu, who is from the U.S. the State Senate, and Robin Voss, um, who is Assembly Speaker. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I would argue that the RFG requirements have made little sense over the years, but they are in place. The EPA has the authority to waive them under unique and special circumstances. Isn't it time to do that? And if they do it, the estimates are we pretty much immediately get 40 cents a gallon relief at the pumps by being able in southeastern Wisconsin to use the same type of gasoline that they are using in Green Bay or in La Crosse or in Oshkosh or in the vast majority of the country. 855-616-1620. Is it time for the EPA to get off its butt and eliminate, remove, Lift the summer ban on using regular unleaded gasoline. Move away from RFG. My answer is absolutely. Give us 40 cents a gallon less on the pump. And you know what? It's not going to make that much difference to the environment, but it's going to make a lot of difference to the drivers. 855-616-1620. What do you think? 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Somebody texts me and says, well, I, I understand that this, are, this reformulated gas is, is, is much more efficient. No, I don't think you're right on that. But it's 40%, 40 cents more per gallon. And the, the reason it's 40 cents more per gallon is the EPA requires us. We in southeastern Wisconsin during the summer are won't, only one of a handful of places, regions across the country that are required to use it. And as a result, it, it costs more to produce it. It's a specialty sort of blend. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with uh, Dave. Dave, you're on WTMJ. 
Hi, Jeff. Say everything that you mentioned is a common sense approach and would easily lower fuel prices. However, our administration um, does not have common sense. And you might remember a previous administration, uh, President Obama, he talked about fuel costs necessarily skyrocketing. This is their plan. They want to make it as hard as possible to use petroleum-fueled uh, automobiles. So I think Robin Voss, the governor, um, they're all wasting their time with trying to move this administration uh, using common sense approaches. Well, and that that's an unfortunate thing. I, I guess, I, to me, though, this is one of those things where may, maybe at least you, you call attention to the fact that, you know, we, we you know it's so frustrating because I, I hear this from our, our elect, uh, elected officials. I, I hear this from the Biden administration. There's nothing we can do about gas prices. You know, it's Vladimir Putin. It's Vladimir Putin. And, and that's that's simply not true. The war on Russia is a factor, but it's just a factor. And this is something that meaningful for, for people in southeastern Wisconsin, it could be for, with a snap of fingers within a week. It could be 40 cents a gallon less. And I guess it's you're right. Maybe the politics of this, because there's a lot of people that think that high gas prices are the great way to go. And it's a good thing. But for most of us, we're hurting because of it. And it's just so frustrating to me, Dave, that people don't wake up and deal with this. Absolutely, Jeff. I totally agree. But um, that's their public face. They're blaming Putin and uh, everything else. Um, But again, voters have short memories. Look back at the very first day in office. What did Joe Biden do? He stopped the XL pipeline. Um, That had had an immediate impact. Um, We're no longer energy uh, independent when we were. Gas prices were under uh, $2 a gallon in some places. Um, He, by his policies, he has made us energy dependent, and, and therefore he has an opportunity to blame all these people. But... Um, uh, under public, out of public view, the Green New Deal faction of the party is excited about this. They're happy. They're they're mm-hmm. content. Oh, oh no, that, and, that's it. They they uh, want to make no. Thanks for calling. No, you're right. I mean that that's part of what's going on here. The the Biden administration that they, they like in one respect. They, they like the high gas prices because they want to try to force people into alternate things. The problem, though, is we're not ready. We've talked about this before. I don't want to go down that, that rabbit hole again. We're, we're not ready for electric cars. They don't make sense. We don't have a grid. We don't have an electric grid that can boost the electricity that people need. They're too expensive. The battery life isn't where it needs to be for people to replace the fossil fuel, the internal combustion engine. Maybe it'll be that way in five years. Maybe it'll be that way in 10 years. But it's not there right now. I'm talking about immediate things because the truth is oil is still relatively plentiful. And you have this combination of things. And and you're right. The Biden administration declared war on the fossil fuel industry effectively. They've um, done a number of things, not just, of course, limiting the expansion of the Keystone Pipeline, but all sorts of other things as well, which have sent the message to um, fossil fuel providers that you are not welcome in this country and we're going after you. And now this is the chickens coming home to roost. But at least for this summer, for people who are driving back and forth to work, for people who are planning your vacations, this is an easy way to knock 40 cents off the price if you're buying gasoline in southeastern Wisconsin. Why, oh, why won't the EPA do it? Uh, Kevin in Kenosha County. Kevin, you're on WTMJ. 
Hi, I, hi. I just want, wanted to make a comment about the uh, hi about the um, suspending the Wisconsin gas tax because uh, I've been listening the last couple of days and I, I've never really heard a mention about the fact that a lot of our gasoline is sold to non-residents, uh, and it seems like you know it would be doing the Illinois residents a great favor. They they tow their boats and trucks up to northern Wisconsin. I'm sure they fuel up on the way in, on the way out. And even the people that just crossed the border right now, uh, you know, it's a great deal for them. And I, I think that would that offset the the uh, the uh, what good it would do for the Wisconsin residents. Well, can I, I guess you you I mean, look, if if an Illinois resident. Again, I, I don't want to talk about, I'm, well, I really want to talk about this reformulated gas thing right now, but I, I guess here's my point. If an Illinois resident driving up to a second home or a vacation place in Door County wants to get it, take advantage of uh, a suspension of that 33 cent a gallon uh, state gas tax so they can go and spend money up in Door County or in Lake Country or in Lake Geneva, wherever, God bless them. I'm, I'm okay with that because they're going to be spending other money up there. That, that to me, again, it's an it's another thing that we could immediately do. I've given you three things right here that would probably, if you could do them, you would be talking about about a dollar twenty less at the pump. Suspend the gas tax, do away with the minimum markup law. But this is an easy one. We are only one of nine regions in the entire country that has to use this reformulated gas blend in the summer because it is a boutique thing. It adds 40 cents a gallon. All right. Suspend it for the summer. Suspend it for this year. My God, look at during the pandemic, all the things we suspended. We suspended people having to pay rent. We've suspended student loans. We've suspended foreclosures. I just, the list goes on and on. Why can't we help consumers? And at this time of unprecedented impact, why can't we give consumers a break? President Biden, are you listening? The investigation is complete, and this Thursday, that would be tomorrow, the American people will hear the results. Please join WTMJ on Thursday at 7 as the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack at the Capitol will go public with its findings in a primetime hearing, the full hearing live this Thursday at 7 on News Radio WTMJ. We will talk about that hearing a little bit later on in the program. Well, the, the people are in fact speaking. The question is, are politicians listening? Yesterday, and I, I told you this in advance, one of the, yesterday was as was a, a primary election day in California. And one of the races that was being closely watched wasn't actually a primary election. It was a recall election with I, Madison, Wisconsin, notwithstanding, I think you can probably reliably say that San Francisco is the most liberal city in the United States. Two and a half years ago, <clears throat> San Francisco voters elected as district attorney a former public defender named Chessia uh, Bowden. And over the court, he is part of what, what is referred to as a progressive prosecutor's movement. And it is my opinion that the Milwaukee County DA, John Chisholm, he, he's one of the sort of one of the first 
people to embrace this professor uh, this this progressive prosecutors movement generally speaking these are are they view themselves as as reform minded district attorneys who have decided that well the the old ways of of prosecuting people that is you know being aggressive and tough on crime and finding you know people that juveniles that steal cars repeatedly and saying okay we're we're going to we're going to incarcerate these people um, they, they don't like that attitude. And the general response is, no, what we want to do is we, we want to we want to spare juveniles from being prosecuted as adults. We want to view the police as the bad guys. And we're going to put as much, if not more effort on trying to scrutinize police tactics as we do on getting criminals off off the streets. And and he together with the, the, a number of newer DAs, and like I said, I think there's people like John Chisholm who, who belong to this as well. You know, John Chisholm, years ago, when he first gets elected, says, look, this is what I'm, I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to put people back out on the streets. I'm going to try to use alternatives to incarceration. And I realize that, and I'm paraphrasing just a little, I realize that some people I might you know, turn loose or try with these programs. I realize they're going to commit terrible crimes, but I'm willing to live with it. Well, those chickens are coming home to roost in a big way. So anyhow, this DA in San Francisco, which again, arguably the most liberal state uh, city in the country. All right, he... He has really, you had a number of district attorneys who worked in his office, career prosecutors, who bailed. They said that we we don't want to be part of this. Burglaries have risen 45% in the last two years. Homicides have increased 37% over the last two years. And, and he, this, this district attorney, he's proud of this. He said, yep, I, I'm imposing all these different, you know, reforms that, that are out there. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to criminalize petty theft. I'm not going to be aggressive about drug use or things like that. And it's turned San Francisco into, well, at least for many people who live in San Francisco, a crime-ridden hellhole. So what happened is that you just had a revolt among the the population who said this is not the direction that we want to go. And yesterday, I didn't see the final vote total, but when, when I checked on it, they recall it was at least 61% of, of the vote. I don't know where it, it finished up, but um, he, he's out. You know, he's out. And there were, you know, a many of other... You know, there are many other like high profile crimes with people that were out on parole and things like that that, that were really the, the driving force behind this. But the bottom line is, you know, the, the reaction is San Francisco voters overwhelmingly saying that, look, we, we don't want soft on crime approaches. And, and he's out. And now I think I don't know if it's going to be recalls or whether it's going to be, you know, just uh, elections. But I think the message is very clear that for people who think that, oh, the the answer is defunding the police and the answer is taking soft on crime approaches, that that's that turns out to be a disaster. And I I appreciate that the issues and the the spiraling um, amount of crime in urban areas, it's not exclusively linked to soft on crime district attorneys who are part of this progressive prosecutors movement but one thing we are seeing is that doesn't work you know that's not helping the problem and for average citizens who are terrorized on the streets or are sick of 
you know, juveniles stealing three and four cars a day, and they're sick of the burglaries, and they're sick of the carjackings, and they're sick of the shootings, and they're sick of the homicides, that this is a reaction pretty clearly saying, you know, we want the bad guys to be held accountable. And this touchy-feely, let's sing kumbaya, oh, you've just stolen your eighth car? Well, okay, you really know that you shouldn't do that, and, and maybe what we want to do is we want to, you know, give you universal driver's ed. And I'm not against universal driver's ed. I'm just saying that that is not a solution to car theft and reckless driving and the things of the like. So for these so-called progressive prosecutors, I think what happened in San Francisco is a pretty clear indication that people are fed up. They're done with this, and they, they want... They want prosecutors to do what prosecutors should be doing, which is protect the general public, identify criminals, and get those criminals off the street. When we come back, I'll give you another example of a classic fail that happened locally. Stick around. One of our texters says, Jeff, one of my favorite Ronald Reagan quotations, we must reject the idea that every time a law is broken, society is guilty rather than the lawbreaker. It's time to restore the American precept that each individual is accountable for their actions. What a novel thought that you are accountable for your own actions, that when you steal that car, when you stick the gun in the head of at the head of the woman and steal her car, when you shoot indiscriminately into a crowd, that you are the one who is responsible for for this, and you are the one that should be held accountable for your actions. We have gotten so far away from that as part of this kind of progressive prosecutors movement, and now you're finally starting to see the backlash, which brings me to a story I have seen this only on Channel 12. So so credit to, to them. One of the, the things that has happened since the Daryl Brooks incident, Daryl Brooks is, of course, the maniac who is responsible for the Waukesha Christmas Parade Massacre. And, of course, it turns out that he, he he's out on a stupid low bail. And the point I made at the time was, contrary to what the district attorney says in Milwaukee County, this is not an aberration. This is happening all the time. And I think judges will, will tell you that, that that's the, the case. Well, one of the things that is now starting to happen is as a result of public attention now being placed and people looking at folks who have committed like really, really terrible offenses and they're out on stupid low signature bonds or tiny small bonds, a lot of judges are starting to rebel and they're saying, okay, we're okay, normally we would have put somebody out on $2,500 bail because the DA's office went along with it. No, we're not doing that. So that's been one of the positive things. Unfortunately, it's it's really, in many respects, too little, too late. So I, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I, I tweeted out this story. I've only seen it on, on Channel 12, as reported by Nick Bohr. But just hang on to your hats, because this is, this is Daryl Brooks all over again. Let me read you the story. The suspect in the fatal shooting of a Milwaukee honor student was free without bail, even though he was facing charges for killing someone else. Let me link, let that linger in the air for a minute. The suspect in the fatal shooting of a Milwaukee honor student was free without bail, even though he was facing charges for killing someone else. Jeff, you can't be reading that correctly. Somebody's out without, he's released and he for he was charged with killing one person and now he he's out on he's out without bail 
Um, in this case, it was a signature bond, and, and he shoots somebody else. How can that be? Well, here's the story. Now, 17-year-old Rashan Seabury is in jail, charged in the shooting death of 19-year-old Camonia Funches. A graduation party in the Mew Park neighborhood turned deadly when partygoers opened fire on a car they they thought looked suspicious as it was driving driving slowly past. So there's this graduation party. People there see this car driving slowly past. So what do they do? They start shooting at the car. It turned out to be their own friends trying to find the party. The mistaken identity left the driver, uh, this is the honor student, dead and another friend wounded. Days later, a few candles still flicker at the memorial to the young woman that everyone called Cammy. Seabury is one of three people charged with first-degree reckless homicide for opening fire on the car and killing the girl. It's just, it, it just you know, you just have, you have to, it's almost impossible to process this. Okay, we're having a graduation party. There's a car driving slowly by. Let's get our guns and shoot at it. And again, it turns out to be people who were looking for the house where the party was. Uh, WISN 12 News has learned that Seabury was free without bail at the time on another reckless homicide charge, accused of killing 26-year-old Jasmine Brown in April of last year at 5th and Melvina. According to that criminal complaint, Seabury opened fire on a group of people following an argument, shooting a rifle while standing through the sunroof of a moving car. He was jailed for nearly a year, but after a series of trial delays, Channel 12 News has learned a judge released Seabury without bail. That means, you know, here, it's a signature bond. Um, Then it goes on to talk about her. Seabury was previously released on a signature bond without posting any bail money. Like in the Daryl Brooks case, the man accused of driving through the Waukesha Christmas Parade, it appears the district attorney's office wasn't ready to proceed on the trial date last month because their witnesses couldn't be located. So rather than dismiss the charges, the judge decided to release Seabury but set a new trial date in August. His bail is now set at $100,000 in cash, and he remains in custody. So apparently what happens is, is you have this guy who you know shoots and kills somebody as he's at least allegedly he's firing through a sunroof. I, I have the court records in that case in front of me, and what... It's just, it's a nightmare scenario of one delay after another, after another, nobody pushing to bring the case to trial in a meaningful fashion, delays granted, delays granted. Finally, as often happens in these cases, the DA's office lose tracks of its witnesses or witnesses disappear. Some of this stuff can't happen. So they're not ready to go to trial when the trial is scheduled. So what happens is they release this guy from custody on a signature bond and then he is now accused of killing somebody else. There is so much wrong with this. You, you just almost don't know where to start. It starts with the idea of, you know, justice delayed is justice denied. When people are charged in these type of cases, these murder cases, COVID or no, you've got to get them through the court system. You know, allowing a case to hang fire for a year is just a recipe for disaster because witnesses disappear, witnesses get cold feet. The case from a prosecutor's perspective never gets better. Now, 
Now, this case was complicated because there's back and forth as to whether he should be tried as a juvenile or an adult. Because the kids, the guy's still only 17 years old. And now, at least if you believe the allegations, he's already killed two people (laughs) or been involved in killing two people. and, And you're already 17. But the bottom line is because they weren't ready to go to trial because they'd lost track of witnesses or witnesses disappeared or whatever because of the different delays that were built into the system. A very, very dangerous guy was turned loose, and now somebody else is dead. And there's, look, you you can break down this case, and you can point all sorts of fingers, and you can say this shouldn't have happened, and that shouldn't have happened, and that shouldn't have happened. But the bottom line is this man should not have been out on the street. He, He just should not have been out on the street in a position to do what he allegedly did. And whether it's a failure of the court system to get him to trial soon enough, whether it's a screw-up in the district attorney's office by not keeping track of the witnesses, whether it's just inevitable delays, it's unacceptable because somebody who at least the DA's office believed had committed a murder was turned loose on the street to commit yet another murder. And unfortunately, this is the type of stuff which happens with all sorts of regularity, not just in Milwaukee, but all over. But it's just it flat out is just not acceptable. You've got to get these cases processed. You cannot let them hang fire because this is precisely the thing that happens. Dangerous people turned loose back out on the street and, you know, Hey, I mean, I understand this guy's perspective. I mean, it, it looks like he beat a murder rap the first time. You know, he's, he was held in custody, and then he's turned loose, no trial, no nothing. So he's back out on the streets, and here, I'm at this event. I'm that car that's driving by. It looks kind of suspicious. Let's shoot at it. Welcome to Milwaukee. And at this point in time, you know, maybe the guy is now going to finally be held accountable. But how many other situations like this are there that are out there? Hey, the bad guys still aren't getting the message that people are upset with the criminal behavior. Wonder why. Here's the latest story. Driver shot another driver following a two-vehicle crash Tuesday afternoon. Police say the incident occurred around 4 p.m. in the 2300 block of Vell R. Phillips Avenue. Two individuals were involved in a vehicle collision when one of the drivers fired several shots at the other driver, subsequently striking him. The victim, a 21-year-old man, sustained serious injuries, was taken to the hospital, while the 26-year-old man police said was the shooter fled on foot, go figure, and was arrested soon after. What do you want? What is the over-under on how many criminal convictions the 26-year-old shooter had at the time of the incident yesterday? Maybe it was the first day he just woke up and said, hey, today's the day I'm going to take my gun and I'm going to shoot somebody when I'm involved in a car crash. My guess is another example of a criminal, probably with a criminal record, probably shouldn't have possessed the gun in the first place, deciding I'm going to shoot somebody because we had a fender bender. Go figure. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the program. All right, this is one of those topics where I have a feeling that I'm going to irritate pretty much everybody on all sides of the political spectrum. But that's okay. That is what I am here for. All right, as Jane was telling you during the news, Tony Evers, who is in a pitched battle for re-election, and I, I, I think you can make an argument that the odds are, are against him, but Republicans in the state of Wisconsin, at least over the last couple of years, have had an amazing ability to shoot themselves in the foot, and there's there's still time to do that. But, but Tony Evers, 
you, you've got the issues related to COVID. You've got gas prices at over $5 a gallon. You've got crime that is running rampant. You've got um, inflation that is through the roof and a myriad of other issues. So Tony Evers is trying to change the narrative in many respects, however he can. We all know because of this leak of a potential Supreme Court decision that it is possible that Roe versus Wade will be reversed. We don't know yet because the decision has not been made by the United States Supreme Court, and we don't know what position that would take. Tony Evers, though, who has pretty much sided, he has chosen the side of aggressive abortion. And I, he, you know, when he cover, he, you know, he puts himself as I, I, I stand, you know, on the side of, you know, people to, uh, I want to stand on the side of, you know, women to be able, you know, to choose to terminate pre- pregnancies and things like that. And people should be able to access this, et cetera, et cetera, which I think, as I've argued before, I think that there is a reasonable I think when it comes to abortion, there is a reasonable middle ground where most people are. I understand that there are some people, because of religious backgrounds or personal life or experiences or whatever, believe that there should be no abortion at any point in time. I also recognize that there are some people um, who I consider to be on the extreme left on this issue who think that there should essentially be no restrictions on abortion. It's, you know, any... Anything that you, that the woman wants to do at pretty much any time, that should be allowed. I actually believe there is a a happy medium, and that happy medium is that I think most people would, would agree with a right to abortion up to a, a certain point. A number of states now at 15 weeks appears to be like one of the, one of the times that people are in fact settling on, like 15 weeks. Um, and then after that, exceptions to save the life of the mother. And they point to the fact that 94, 95% of, of elective abortions are done in, in the first 15 weeks. In Wisconsin right now, under Roe, that, that limit is 22 weeks, 20 to 22 weeks, um, where you, you have the, the rights to uh, elective abortions. None of that applies, though, if Roe is struck down, because there is an 1849 law that has never been repealed, that's on the books, and that law essentially says that it is, it's a felony punishable by six years in in prison to abort a a child. It's not directed at the mother. It is directed at the person who performs the abortion, in other words, the, the doctors. And there's, if you go back and look at the language, I don't think there's any way that a mother could be prosecuted for this, but you could prosecute the abortion providers under this 1849 law. All right, so into this jumps Tony Evers. He's calling for a special session of the legislature to repeal this 1849 law. Now, he's saying, well, we don't know what's going to happen with Roe, but we should be prepared to, you know, act immediately if Roe is is struck down and we should appeal this law. Evers does not talk about any other changes to Wisconsin law, though, saying, hey, maybe we need to look at where we are. Maybe we need to roll this back to 15 weeks or 16 weeks. Evers isn't saying, hey, let's wait to see what the Supreme Court does with Roe. No, let's let's jump in right now. Our number is 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Here's how I see this. 
first of all, this is a political stunt by Evers because he knows what's going to happen. By doing this, especially with offering no sorts of alternatives, he guarantees that nothing is going to happen because the Republicans, if he calls a special session, will come in, they'll gavel it in a session, they'll gavel it out, but Evers will then be able to say, oh, I protected, I, I tried my best to protect the rights to women to have abortions. Okay, political stunt. Having said that, I, I do think that this law should be repealed. This is an 1849 law, and as a practical matter, if Roe versus Wade is repealed, maybe we should wait till that happens and see exactly what the decision says, and then we can decide how to proceed. But by just saying, okay, Roe hasn't been appealed, repealed yet, but here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to have th- this hearing, and without offering any sort of discussion about, you know, where where do we want to be in a post-Roe world, world, you pretty much guarantee that nothing is going to happen in the legislature. So to me, th- this takes on less of an idea of trying to really accomplish something meaningful and more of just, here, let me throw something out there so I can secure some, some debating points or I can try to get the basis for an ad that I'm going to run in Madison when I'm running for re-election in the fall. I think if the governor were serious about this, it would be, first of all, we're going to wait to see what Roe, what happens with Roe. Secondly, we're going to see how this plays out. You know, is there really going to be prosecution? Are the Planned Parenthoods of the state going to shut down? Let's see this. Third, let's have a meaningful conversation. And, and what exactly is the alternative post-Roe? I think that I would support repealing this 1849 law just because I do not think it is practical. I I don't see prosecutors prosecuting it, and I've never believed in having laws on the books that nobody's going to pay attention to. But I I do think if if we need to have a conversation, and it's more than just, here, let's try to, to do this in conjunction with the repeal without thinking about what we are going to put in place in its place. And by just saying we're going to have the specialist uh, session, that, that tells me you're not really serious about tackling this issue. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I know in saying that, I, I, I irritate the people who think that, you know, no, abortion should, we should always, we, we should, abortion should be illegal, period, under any circumstances, and we should aggressively enforce this 1849 law, which I don't see as practical and I don't see happening. And I also irritate the people who say, well, how dare you say anything bad about Tony Evers, don't you realize he's trying to protect a woman's right to choose? No, if he was serious about doing that, you would couple the calls for a special session with a a proposal to take a look at Wisconsin law and what it should be in the post row world and, and maybe you decide that that's here we're, we're going to have our limited 22 weeks maybe we're going to keep that in place don't know 855-616-1620 I, I just know that this screams political stunt when it is a very serious issue that I, I think people you know need to be considering this and, and maybe it needs to be considered in a context other than here we're going to have an up or down vote at a special session on it Yeah, actually, one of our listeners nails this in one. Jeff, so the governor can call a special perse- session pertaining to a ruling that hasn't even happened yet, but he can't find the time to call a special session to suspend the gas tax. Give me a break. 
Yeah, that, that's that, that, that's it. And again, I think, look, the, here, here's the real world. We have a law in the books against adultery. I, I don't remember the last time that, that law against adultery was enforced. Similarly, I think it is extremely unlikely that in the event Roe versus Wade was struck down, you would suddenly see a war prosecutors launching on, I don't know, people in Dane County who were perform, continuing to perform abortions. I, I just... I think that would be an example of prosecutorial discretion. And you've already heard a number of district attorneys who've come out and said precisely that. So the urgency of this is somewhat lost on me. And I think it really rises to the level of, of political theater. But, but that's OK. I, by the way, I just don't think you should have laws on the books that don't reflect what what where where the population is and i really don't have an issue with repealing this 1849 law but i do think if the governor were serious about it it would be accompanied with a conversation about what seriously what realistically are we going to put in this place but the, the governor doesn't want to do that and also again as long as we're talking about special sessions of things why don't we deal with problems that are already here because we don't know what the supreme court's going to do with regard to roe and we don't what know what prosecutors are going to do with regard to this 1849 statute but why don't we deal perhaps with some other problems that we know are here and like the texter says you know why don't we look at maybe suspending the gas tax why don't we look at repealing the minimum markup law how about a a special session for that something that is a problem right now not a potential problem in the future and again i say that as somebody who would probably forget probably who would support repealing this 1849 law it's just the way the governor has chosen to do this, in my opinion, is at least is extreme, extreme political theater. And sometimes, just sometimes, maybe we need more than political theater when we're trying to deal with some of the issues that we face today. WTMJ is packing its bags and heading downtown. Wisconsin's radio station is moving to the avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. Follow our progress all summer long as we embark on a journey to our new home. The avenue is vibrant, exciting, plus you'll be able to come by and see us. WTMJ's move to the avenue is sponsored by Coakley Brothers and Brothers Interior, the official moving and furniture provider of GKB Milwaukee. Yeah, people, that's one of the questions I get when I'm out and about is when, when is this move occurring? And... I, I think it, it, it is somewhat fluid. What's going to happen is, and for those of you who don't know, where our facilities, which have been located here on Capitol Drive for, forever, essentially, um, we, we are the radio stations, including WTMJ and our sister stations, The, the Truth and uh, WKTI, which is ESPN, we are going to be moving down to the Avenue, which is the, the old Grand Avenue facility, although it's not at all like the old Grab, Grand Avenue used to be. People are asking me about what the timing is it, of it is, and, and because of the pandemic and supply chain shortages and everything our move has been delayed like like a lot of people's like building projects have. But I'm being told that at least the estimates are that the offices, that is our, our sales department and a lot of our management and stuff and our traffic departments, that's the people that schedule the commercials and things like that, that move 
will occur maybe as soon as the end of this month or next month, at least in part, as far as the studios, the, the actual broadcast facilities and the people who produce the content you hear, like yours truly. Um, I, I'm, I'm being told September, October, because the, the radio, the, the studios will be the last things built. So I, I plan on being here at Capitol Drive for the next at least certainly through the summer and into the early fall and you know we'll see but that's one of the great things um for those of you who are following the progress of this you can you know keep track of of all this and um ultimately probably certainly by the end of the year i think we'll all be down in that new facility i was talking a minute ago about you know the, the governor in this what i think is a political stunt that this call for a special session to repeal this 1849 law on abortion it, and this is this is a and it's a segue that you might not get at first, but it is connected. Remember back in the seventies, the, the singing duo of Seals and Croft. Um, it was Jim Seals and Dash Croft, and they did. Jane, you're looking. You remember Seals and Croft? Yeah, it's Seals and Croft. Um, their 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 big hit was Summer Breeze, and then they followed it up with with Diamond Girl. You know, and so they were. They were kind of that that soft rock thing of of the seventies. Air supply ish. Yeah. Well, and, and they were they were a big deal in the seventies. And then what happened is, like the late seventies, the early eighties, it was dance music. You know, it was like the disco stuff and all. And they they went from they went from drawing ten and twelve thousand people to concerts to like drawing flies. It was just it was just amazing. But but you know they I mean again you think of I mean their heyday was Summer Breeze and it was Diamond Girl and things like that. In any event, um, Jim Seals uh, he he passed away the other day at his home in Nashville. He was seventy nine year, years old. But it was interesting because they became controversial. You think about how could Seals and Croft be, be controversial? They became controversial in the mid-70s when they, they came out with this song called Unborn Child. And this was right after Roe versus Wade. And the, the song, it, it had a, a tract who, it, that urged women who were considering an abortion to stop, turn around, go back, and think it over. That, that's this, and it became incredibly controversial because of all the politics involved in that. And it, it, it took Seals and Croft from a, hey, this is, you know, this is the, it's Summer Breeze and it's Diamond Girl to all this, to through them, and through them, Right into the middle of this like huge political debate about Roe versus Wade and stuff, and I, I think as they looked back on their career, matter of fact, I'm looking at an interview they they gave, you know, at the time, and they're saying, well, this completely killed us for a while. Radio stations stopped playing our our records, our concerts started to get picketed, and it was kind of like, hey, we're Seals and Croft, we're at Summer Breeze and Diamond, you know, Diamond Girl, and all these types of things, and we're not used to being picketed. And they with this one song chose to put themselves you know right in the middle of of the whole abortion debate and it that together with the disco craze kind of kind of ended up uh killing their business for a while um it, it's interesting because jim seals i'm looking at the interview he said huh this was kind of our ignorance in that we didn't know that kind of thing was seething and boiling as a social issue <laughs> you know and it's kind of like 
okay, I'm just saying that, you know, given all the intensity on both sides of that issue, I'm not sure how you could come. I'm, you would think that some record executive somewhere would have sat him down and said, look, if, if this is the way you want to go, guys, if this is if you want to if, if you want to be out front on the pro-life movement, you know, go with God. That That's great. Do it. But you have to understand what you're getting into. They said, wait, we just never understood that this was going to create such a such a, an issue. Well, um, it ended up doing it. But in any event, Seals and, Seals and Croft, uh, Diamond Girl, Summer Breeze, um, sort of like a lot of the yacht rock, I guess, of the of the 70s and stuff. Uh, Jim Seals had passed away. What would be their comparison? I mean, like Air Supply. Um, Pure Prairie League. Yeah, Loggins and Messina, you know, maybe, those, that, yeah, kind that kind of, of stuff. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Al- almost. Cat Stevens-ish before he got... A little, like, a little folksy, yeah. you know, kind of folksy. Yeah, it, it's actually, it, it's, it, it was kind of the music that I... That, that sort of appealed to me back at at the time. Bread, bread. Yes, I- I- exactly. Yeah, um, um, horse with no name. Was that America? Oh, America, America. Mm-hmm. Right, that that kind of stuff. You know, it. You you'd find it if you're listening to satellite radio on the seventy or yacht their yacht rock channel and stuff like that. But uh, the breeze, kind of easy listening sort of stuff. But in any event, uh, Jim Seals passed away at the age of seventy nine. Okay, you're a radio gal. Any other Seals and Croft songs come to mind? And the reason I ask is, as you can expect, I'm being swamped with, oh, <laughs> with, with, with people who are... Now, the, the two most famous are Diamond Girl and Summer Breeze, which is, you know... And th- those are the only two that I can think of. Yeah, th- and those were the only two that I could think of as well. The the other ones, Hear the Band? I Yeah, here, well, maybe Charlie can find that, and we may never pass this way again. That sounds vaguely familiar. Vague, but but okay. But, but once we get beyond Summer Breeze and, and Diamond, Diamond Girl, Girl that's, yeah, that's, that's 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 my seals and cross knowledge <laughs> right there. <laughs> that's it. But it's it's um, yeah. People are sending me covers of album covers and things like that from the the, the seals and cross day. That I have I have thousands and thousands of songs on my iPod. Yes, I have an iPod and Apple iTunes account and stuff. And but um, then I don't think there's any seals and crofts in there. But today's the day. Today is the day, right? There's well, I, I do have a lot. I mean, I I like that soft rock stuff and the cow. I like you know the Linda Ronstadt and the Eagles and stuff like that. I grew up on, I grew up on those things. It was just seals and croft. But but Diamond Girl. Summer Breeze, that's what we'll play. All right, when we come back, what are you going to be doing tomorrow night? Will you be glued to your TV? Stick around. Summer Breeze makes me feel fine. Going through the in my mind. Yes, they call that Yacht Rock. My producer was questioning. There, there's actually, on, on uh, Sirius, the, the satellite channel, there's actually a channel. It's called the Yacht Rock Channel, and it's... It's like easy, what I'm calling easy listening. It's stuff in the from like the mid '70s to the early '80s when again dance music hit over. Okay, so here one of our listeners sends me a text and says, "Jeff, you need to expand your horizons and listen to Ozzy Osbourne. You'll be amazed." To which I responded, "See, th- th- this is the deal." And I, I I talk about this every once in a while. I have I have a vast and eclectic love of of music. And if you like listen to our Friday pop culture corner shows, I, I think that that comes out sometimes. I mean, look, I, I, I love like the easy listening stuff. I, I love what they call the trop rock, like the Jimmy Buffett and the things like that. But I love Black Sabbath. 
and I, I, I have every album that the Ramones made. I just, I think the Ramones were just groundbreaking, and I like The Clash, and I like early kid rock, and I like Nirvana, and I like a lot of other stuff. And let's see that that's the great thing about music, and you appreciate these different genres that are out there. But you would be amazed if you looked at my Apple Music library and saw all the different songs that I have collected over the years. And I, I admit, I, I go through. I go through different phases and stuff that, that I like, ranging from <clears throat> like the late John Prine, who's I've been listening to a lot lately, and to, to again, say, now, now I'm in the mood for ZZ Top, or today I was listening to Lucinda Williams as I was getting ready for the show. But it's you, you got to be varied, and I think that's one of the fun things about music, and that's one of the things I like about Summerfest that's coming up in the very near future, and I will be broadcasting, I think, five of the six weekdays at Summerfest. There's one day where there's an early Brewers game, but I love you know wandering around and just like sitting by some of the side stages and, and listening to the bands and it's not all my cup of tea but it's it's sort of interesting and one of the things I'm trying to commit myself to do is to continue to expand my musical horizons and I, I I've said this before you you know you've got a lot of of baby boomer acts that you know acts that were big in in the 70s and the 80s and and who are still touring and they're charging like top dollar and and, and that's great but, you know, in some respects, it's like, okay, you know, how many times can you see Journey? And Journey's a great band, so I'm in Las Vegas. Or how many times can you see Rod Stewart? And uh, how many times can you see Willie Nelson? I love Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson is a national treasure. But I've probably seen him, you know, a dozen times over the years. So the question is, do you want to go to another Willie Nelson show when you're going to have to pay top dollar for it? Or maybe can you find that young upcoming band or something that you go, man, I remember I was at this place and there were only like 35 other people there and we really Really saw it, so I'm, I'm trying to balance this out and expand. Even as I get older, I'm trying to expand my musical horizons and always trying to be open to that stuff. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think you have to have, have to have like wide musical horizons. Now, there's some stuff that I don't like. I, I admit that, um, you know, some of the hardcore gangster rap stuff, you know, the stuff that I find to be very misogynistic and the anti-cop stuff and some of some of those things, I, I never I just never got into it. And it's not that I don't like rap music. I understand that it just some of the content just leaves me cold. So I, I don't like everything, but that's OK. If we all liked everything, it would be a boring vanilla world. Let us switch gears. The. I, I think I can say without fear of contradiction that from a political perspective, whether you are a Republican or a Democrat, things are not shaping up well for the November election for Democrats. And if you're a Republican, you're probably excited. If you're a Democrat, you're probably kind of like cringing or or maybe you disagree with that assessment. But if you do, you've. You're just you're just missing stuff. Historically, midterm elections have never gone well for the party in power. And given everything that's going on in the world, and you can argue about whether it's fair to blame Joe Biden for this, but the truth is the party in power is oftentimes viewed as the ones responsible for this. And so you've got out-of-control inflation. You know, we're, we're paying here more than $5 a gallon for a gallon of gasoline. In other places, it's a lot worse. And 
you, you've got crime, which is out of control. You've got border issues. You've got the war in Ukraine. You've got Afghanistan. I could go on and on and on, but you get the idea. So this is the political dynamic right now in June. Now, stuff can change between June and, and November. But the problem is you've got to come up with an idea. What? How do you change the narrative? In an effort to change the narrative, you are going to see on tomorrow night, we're going to be carrying a good portion of it, the House Select Committee that has been investigating what happened on January 6th of 2021 is going to have a, a public hearing. It's going to be televised in prime time. It's a made-for-television moment. It's carefully choreographed. They already have, like, prepared videos, and it's going to be like a, a rollout of revelations that are, are pretty much, I, I think, I, I could say, firmly are, are going to be very, very uncomplimentary to former President Trump. And the implication is going to be that if he didn't know directly, you know, what was going on um, on January 6th, he inspired some of that by his remarks, by his calling for action, by his refusal to accept the results of the election, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be, and I don't say this in a bad way, but it's going to be a, it's going to be political theater. That's the phrase I was using earlier to describe, you know, Tony Evers' call for a special legislative session. It's designed to be political theater, and it's not. It's not even, <clears throat> this isn't even arguable. I mean, the headline in the New York Times story I have in front of me, January 6th hearings give Democrats a chance to recast midterm message. With their majority at stake, Democrats plan to use high-profile hearings to refocus voters' attention on Republicans' role in the attack. So, I mean, that that's what the plan is. We're going to have these hearings. We're going to try to get people to watch. And we're going to try to get people to focus on Donald Trump in 2021 and Donald Trump's supporters in 2021 and Republicans in Congress who, at least in the opinion of Democrats, didn't do enough to condemn Donald Trump. So that's what it is. It's political theater. And I, I don't think anybody makes any bones about it. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess I, I have two related questions that I want to talk about with you. First of all, you know, will you be watching, and do you think a large number of people will be watching? Okay, that's number one. And number two, will this move the needle? By that I mean, are there people who are going to read about this or watch it on on Thursday night and suddenly say, okay, I've made up my mind. I, I've been, I have been unhappy with Joe Biden's job performance. I'm one of those people who disapprove of the job he's doing. I have now changed my mind. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you going to watch? Are people going to watch? And is it going to move the needle in a meaningful way? 855-616-1620. What do you think? We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You, you know, I, I just read that ad for Milwaukee Sports Services. I was at the ball game last night, and the the computers at the concession stands crashed. 
And it was like I was my my son-in-law and my stepdaughter were, were there that we were going to meet them for a beer at the craft beer stand after the fourth inning. They text and they say it's closed down because the computers have crashed. Not at all, but at, at many of them. And it just people couldn't get food. And, and it was really weird because there, there were a couple that were open, but a lot of them were just closed. And it, it was hit or miss all night. And I felt so bad for all the volunteers and stuff and the people who were working as well as the fans. But it's it's. It just happens occasionally. Okay, uh, tomorrow night you're going to have the first of what will be, I think, six televised hearings into um, the, the January 6th incident. But but these aren't hearings like the Watergate hearings where, you know, it was really an investigative sort of thing. This is, it, it's a presentation. There, there's prepared vignettes. There's videos that they have. And, and this is, it's going to be staged. I don't say that in a bad way, but it's going to be staged by the Democrats to try to show to the American people their interpretation of what happened that Donald Trump, you know, knew what was going on and cited the riots through a number of his, you know, actions, et cetera, et cetera. My question is, will people watch? And secondly, will it move the needle? The New York Times story says the Democrats are hoping to to change the narrative and and maybe make people rethink, you know, how they're going to vote in November. Before we go to the phones, I'll, I'll give you my answer. I, I, I don't think a lot of people are, are going to watch. I mean, I think some will. I don't know that they're going to break any sort of new ground. I think we all have a handle on, on what happened. And as far as dramatically moving the needle, I just don't see that. I mean, I people vote their pocketbook. It, it goes back to Bill Clinton, and it's the economy, stupid. And what ends up happening in November, I think, is going to be <clears throat> largely based on how individuals feel about their personal situation. Do you feel more secure? Are you happy with you know how how are you happy with the economy? How do you feel about your individual prospects? And I think that's going to be a much more dominant decision for most voters, other than what happened on January sixth of twenty twenty one. Which, by the way, is if you've been listening to me, you know I'm I I, I don't. I think what happened was absolutely appalling, and I think people who try to minimize the fact that you had a bunch of yahoos storming the Capitol are completely and totally missing the boat. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Bert. Bert, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi. Yeah, so, yes, I will definitely be watching tomorrow night. Um, I think it's important to watch it, even though I watched so much, you know, after uh, during January 6th and afterwards, and I've watched so many programs on different networks, ne- networks talking about it. But I think it's important to watch it. I would hope that some of the constituents of the, some of the GOP, many of the GOP, who walked back their impressions of what happened January 6th, would say to their, their politicians in office, that's not okay. I think it was ridiculous that so many of them took back what they thought, you know, had really happened. And, you know, I mean, they all want to win their election. I get it. But I think it's totally wrong. I don't think it'll move the needle. And I agree with you. I think it's all about people's pocketbooks. You know what? For me, it's not about my pocketbook. And I'm not wealthy. I'm a retired school teacher. For me, it's more important about people being civil, treating others with respect. I am you know, against all this gun violence and the violence in our city. And I think we've just all got to work together on a much better level. Okay. We just, it's just like everybody meets everybody. Hey, Bert, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. I guess that's the, I guess I just, <clears throat> I, I think, I, I think that, you know, the, 
the vignettes and the stuff that you're going to see, I'm, I'm not sure it's going to change anybody's mind. And, and I think we do agree. I don't think it's going to end up moving the needle. I mean, I think for the people that have already, the, the people that, that, for example, hate Trump, I, I suspect that there's going to be a lot of fuel to, to in, that, that's going to be added to, to that fire with this. And that's kind of the purpose, you know, behind it. Um, if, if you're, if for your particular representative, I, I think is somebody going to watch this and say, uh, "Okay, I was otherwise going to vote for or against this person, but now I'm, I'm going to change my mind because of this." I, I think that's extremely unlikely. I think that there's probably about forty or fifty other more dominant sort of issues. But again, if if you've already decided my representative is a hero or my representative is a coward, and you already decided that you're going to vote against them. This, this is, again, more passion and fuel for the fire to kind of whip up the, the base, and or maybe the base is, where you're going to have other people who are going to say, ah, oh, this is just nothing but a political hit job at taxpayer expense. I guess bottom line is I don't think it's going to move the needle, but I, I look, th- this is, I don't care how you cut it, this it was appalling that, that this happened. And I, I think there's a lot of blame to go around. And I think a lot of it rests with the former resident of the White House, who certainly fostered and fed the flames that led to these yahoos doing what these yahoos did. Um, let's talk to Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. What do you think? Hello? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. You're on the air. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, I will not be watching um, I, for the pretty much the reasons that you said. Um, I think this is certainly trying to uh, shift the narrative because things are not going well at all for Biden. Um, and it's, I don't think it's going to move the needle. I mean, like you said, most people made up their mind pretty quickly after. And I think most people agree that it was not a good thing that happened. Uh, but it's not going to change their mind about who they support. Or, you know, people made their minds up a long time ago. Yeah, it's right. I mean, I think that's it. I think circle, and I think it's going to, Mike. I mean, again, like I said, I think it's going to reinforce, you know, people's views of this, particularly if you view Donald Trump as the Antichrist. And I I, I have no doubt that he he is not going to come across well in this. And you know what? He probably shouldn't come across, you know, well in this. And, you know, you're, you know, and of course it's, this is not a a moment in American history to be proud of. Now, I, I think people the question is going to be sometimes do you overplay your hand I, I was this some mass conspiracy to overthrow the government well i know a, couple, a handful of people have been indicted but I, I think in general if you think this is a mass conspiracy i don't think that's what happened this was like i say it was a bunch of yahoos who got fired up and decided they were going to act out as yahoos do and it's unacceptable and those yahoos need to be prosecuted and i think it's fair to say that there's some people who perhaps incited the yahoos who have some reckoning, moral reckoning, if not necessarily legal reckoning, but that's sort of where this whole thing is going to be. Will it draw huge ratings? I don't know. A Thursday in the summer, I, I I don't know that it's going to have huge ratings. I don't know that this is going to have the impact of, like, the John Dean appearance and the Watergate hearings and things like that that really did have the effect of moving the needle. But that was a different time, and that was a different investigation where it really was an investigation to what, in that case, President Nixon knew with regard to the Watergate break-in and when did he, in fact, know it, and was he a crook. This, I, I think... 
that there's less revelations. I think we pretty much know in general, we know what the plot was. We know what the outcome was. We might not know all the details. Time will tell, and we'll look at the ratings the next day. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. They think you're stupid. They think you're stupid. But I don't think you are. Matter of fact, I think we as American consumers, we catch what is going on. Now, we, we talk repeatedly on this program about in- inflation, and you know, inflation had been under control for years and years and years, and over the last couple years, in particular the last year, it is just, it has exploded. President Biden originally said, well, I think this is going to be transitory, and now they're, they're backing off, and they say, well, okay, if transitory means it's going to last for three or four or five years, well, then it's transitory. But inflation is here to stay. Uh, Janet Yellen, um, who, of course, is one of the architects of this. She's the, the Treasury Secretary. Um, she she was one of the ones who got out front with the, the pandemic relief package where we, we took $1.9 B as in billion dollars in, in spending and dumped it into the economy. And, you know, now at $1.9 trillion, I'm sorry, T as in trillion dollars in spending. And, and what we've seen now at the time, they said, oh, that's not going to lead to inflation. And now even Janet Yellen is agreeing that, you know, she was wrong about that. And dumping all this, this money into the economy has contributed to the runaway inflation. So we, we see this in many respects. We, we see it at the gas prices as we drive, you know, to and from taking our kids to school or getting to work. And you see it in increased costs at restaurants. And you see it in some respects in the grocery store. But in others, the manufacturers are trying to hide it from you. And that brings us to the topic of shrinkflation. What is shrinkflation? Shrinkflation is essentially downsizing. It's taking a product that typically, I don't know, had a a pound. And instead of a pound, it's now going to have a pound minus two ounces. And, And packaging it in such a way to make you think that you're still getting the pound. And that's what you're seeing in a lot of stuff that's out there. I, I'm not I'm not a Gatorade drinker, but we were we were having some people over, so I was out. My my mission was go go buy some Gatorade because we're having some people over, and some of them might drink Gatorade. Well, Gatorade used to um, come in thirty two ounce bottles. All right, it doesn't come in thirty two ounce bottles anymore. It comes in bottles that are similarly shaped, but instead of thirty two ounces, they're twenty eight. And actually, what you're paying for the 28 ounces is slightly more than you were paying for the 32 ounce. Or even if it's about the same, you think, oh, the price of the Gatorade hasn't gone up. Well, yeah, the the, the objective prices has not gone up, or it's only gone up a couple pennies or whatever, but you're getting four ounces less for that. Fritos. All right, Fritos historically used to sell a, a party size bag the big bag of fritos um and it was it was the party size bag all right well that party size bag used to be 18 ounces not anymore now the party size bag of fritos well it's still a party size bag but it's 15 and a half ounces 
And by the way, it, it's it's more expensive. Um, Kimberly Clark, for example, which makes Continental, Cot, Cottonelle toilet paper and Kleenex. Well, what they're doing is, let's say, Cottonelle toilet paper. All right, it used to be a roll of Cottonelle toilet paper used to have 340 sheets per roll. Now they've shrunk it down to 312 sheets. Now chances are, at least, you know, maybe you're different to me, but you know, when, when you go to the store to buy toilet paper, I guess I never really look at the size of, of the rolls, how many sheets are on the roll, but they've shrunk it, 340 to 312. Um, Folgers Coffee, they used to have a 51 ounce container. That's now been shrunk to 43 and a half ounces. And the story goes on and on and on. You can say that with Kleenex and all sorts of other things where what's happened is the, without necessarily coming out and telling you the size of, of the packages, the size, the amount of stuff you get has, has been dropped. And in many cases, what you're also seeing is that the the costs have actually gone up. So you are paying more for less. But the intention is to try to convince you that, hey, things haven't really changed when when they have. Now, there's nothing illegal uh, about this. I mean, if you can look at the thing, you know, you can say, oh, gee, the the Gatorade used to be 32 ounces. Now it's 28 ounces. And, gee, I think it's more. And you can do, like, the cost per um, ounce calculation. But this is a way of trying to make you think that things aren't as bad as they really are. And then you get home and you wonder, hey, I bought this bought this big box of Rice Krispies and it's not going as far as it used to be. Well, it's not because it's a smaller box. Our number is 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We all pay attention to the rising prices. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. You know, peanut butter cost this, you know, six months ago, and now it costs this now. I think fewer of us pay attention to the shrinkflation. That is that the quantities of stuff we are buying are markedly smaller than they were a little while ago. Have you noticed this? And what products have you noticed it in? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, we, we talk a lot about inflation in the grocery stores and stuff, but, but oh, I, I can't believe it. The peanut butter used to be $3, you know, for a jar. Now it's $4 a jar. Well, there, there's a more insidious way of this a, as well. It's not illegal. It's just out there. And that is, they call it shrinkflation, which is the concept of the, the product that you're used to buying 16 ounces of. Now it's the same price, but instead it's repackaged and it's only 14 ounces. So you're paying the same price or maybe a little more, but you're getting two ounces less. Have you noticed it and and where are you seeing it? Let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Hi, Mike. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Where are you seeing this? My thought, my, my example was like just a candy bar. A candy bar was like, let's say, 99 cents. Now it's a dollar nineteen. So people go, oh, it's 20 cents more. Well, no big deal. But it's actually a 20%, 20% increase. People don't realize the uh, magnification of uh, a right. 20% increase. No. It, and well, it's just like uh, fooling, it's fooling the public. And uh, and if want to go further, like recipes, you know, you call for uh, eight ounces of uh, tuna, now it's six ounces or five ounces or whatever. It screws up everyone's family recipes. 
Um, yeah. It's, it's uh, inflation that's uh, kind of watched. It, it is. No, thanks. For, it, it is. And, of course, I, I thought what you were going to say is some of these candy bars, that's another example of, like, the, the candy bars, you, you can – Let's say you you would buy them in bulk, and you would be used to buying a let, let's let's granola bars, like because I know that's I, I know that's valid. Typically, they or protein bars. You know what I'm talking about. Typically, maybe when when you bought them in a pack, they used to have six, and, and now you only get five. And it, just check it out. That that's it. So you're actually getting you know one fewer bar, but the price is about the same. So you sit there and you think, oh, well, the price didn't go up. This is this is great. You know they're holding the line. No. No, you're you're just you're paying the same amount of money, but you're getting less product. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's talk to Mark. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What I've noticed is uh, dog food. Mm-hmm. We're buying dog food. We've got a couple of pups that we like to feed them better quality dog food. Bags used to be fifty pounds. Plus, they gave you a quote unquote a four pound bonus bag, so it was a fifty four pound bag. Now, believe it or not, the bags are down to 44 pounds, yep. and they're actually $6 more than they used to be. Yeah, and you wouldn't necessarily, I mean, you, you'd, you'd pick up the $6 pound, the six more than it used to be, but you wouldn't necessarily pick up, oh, I, I've lost four or five pounds of dog food. At least some people don't, but you're right. That's that's a classic example. No, thanks for calling. No, I, I, I as somebody who has a who has a, a dog that at least I like to think that she's treated very well and eats very well. I know I, the, the dog food expense is just absolutely staggering, but but she's worth it. Don, Don, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Don. The one that blew me, the one that blew me away was bacon. Probably nine months ago or so, bacon prices skyrocketed to the point where a package of bacon was about nine ninety nine. But it wasn't just the skyrocketed price. It was the package of bacon was now 12 ounces, not a pound any longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I that, mean, they cut it. They cut the size by 25% right. and raised the price by 40 How many people do you think noticed that? My, my guess is some did, but my guess is the majority of people didn't realize that, hey, the, the bacon package looks kind of like the same. My guess is a good percentage of people had no clue that they were getting less bacon and paying more money. Exactly. They spread the bacon out in the package, and it looked like the same size package. Um, no, ab- absolutely. I'm hearing. Thanks a lot. No, and that's and that's that's going on with all these products, Jeff. I usually only buy ice cream during the summer. The container that was a half gallon is now a quart and a pint. That's not a half gallon, and it's not it's not the half price. Um, it's not the half gallon price. Um, yes, Jeff. To your point, Gatorade used to come in 32 ounce bottles. They are now 28 ounces for the same size. They actually are. Uh, Jeff, look at Dollar Tree. Now everything's a dollar twenty-five. It, it's up twenty-five percent. Yes, it definitely is. Jeff, not only are there fewer sheets on the toilet paper rolls, but some of the brands, the rolls are actually shorter. Yeah, that that's how this is. Jeff, some brand name blocks of cheese are now six ounces instead of eight ounces. Hard to see the size difference unless it's held next to a generic block. Yeah, I think a lot of people just don't pick that up. Jeff, Kingsford charcoal. The bags keep getting smaller. 20 pounds, 18 pounds, 16.8 pounds. Yeah, but the price isn't going down there. Um, Jeff, imported beer comes in 11.2-ounce bottles now. Huh. 
Now, that's something that should get everybody's attention. 11.2-ounce bottles, when, of course, the typical bottle of beer would be, you know, 12 ounces. Jeff, a box of Lipton tea bags was 100 bags in January. It is now 72 bags, the same price. So so there you have it. It's it's more than, you know, a quarter less. Jeff, some bacon packages, what's our caller was just saying, are 12 ounces versus 16 ounces, Bath soaps are noticeably smaller and they are higher priced. Um, yeah, you're you're seeing this. There's no question about this, and this is how it's it's impacting. Jeff, I noticed on a Kleenex box after I went through a box faster than normal, it's now only a hundred uh, tissues, and presumably, I think beforehand it used to be like 115 or 120. Let's talk to Jeremy. Jeremy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. When we go through our produce, we're starting to notice some of the prepackaged vegetables are actually smaller packaged and cost almost double the amount per pound or just per package than it used to. And I've also noticed that a lot of the produce is not its not as good a quality as it once were. It seems like they're keeping them more on the shelf a little bit longer, hoping to get rid of it, but... Yeah, it's the produce is even getting expensive. Oh, yeah. And and actually, and I know what you mean. It's kind of a struggle. We've actually, we've sort of switched. My wife does most of the shopping. My wife does almost all the shopping. But we've actually kind of switched some of the stores we go to because some of the places we used to go, we haven't been as happy with. And it's not as much cost. It's just quality. We just haven't been as happy with some of the quality of the produce. And so we've been looking for other places. My wife saw a watermelon for like eight bucks. A watermelon, and my wife, we were like, "Are you kidding me? A watermelon, eight dollars?" Right? Just- is it injected with vodka? No, thanks for call. What? What? What is? What's going on here, Jack in Port Washington? Jack, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Uh, yeah, Jeff. Uh, I just heard you mention the thing about the beer. I just wanted to clear that one up. Uh, a lot of the imports, especially the European beers, the German beers, and like uh, stuff from you know, like the Guinness sure. products and that have actually been at 11.2 for quite a while. And what they're doing in Europe is they're basing their sizing metrically. And 11.2 ounces is basically a third of a liter. Ah. And that's how they serve their beers in Europe. You know, you buy it, you get a glass that's a third liter, or you get a glass that's a half liter, or you get the full liter. Right. And so now their bottles their bottles are reflective of that. So the 11.2, I don't think it's true yeah. inflation. I think it's just... The conversion to metric. Okay, which always leaves me, Jack, which I, I always get lost with that whole metric thing. I, I, I acknowledge it's always a struggle. Jeff, I was shocked when my package of Italian sausages contained five sausages rather than the typical bag of six. A um, number of people are <laughs> Doritos. Jeff, Doritos party size bag is seriously small now. My husband loves Doritos. I bought them recently on sale and with a digital coupon. The party bag seriously looked like the regular size bag. Um, you know, there you go. It, it, it's out there. I'd, I mean, I guess the bottom line of all this is just just be aware of it because... Once again, it's the other effect of inflation. We all see the inflation. Oh, my God, gas is $5 a gallon, and a year ago it was $2.60 or or whatever that might have been. We all see that effect. But this is the subtle thing. This is the shrinkflation that is hitting all of us as the manufacturers become aware. And, I mean, look, you you just got to do the math. That's that's the thing. But if you do the math, you're going to find that, you know, hey, 
what, what's next? It's not a dozen donuts anymore. It's going to be 11 donuts. Don't be surprised if that happens. Or you might get 12 donuts, but they're smaller donuts. That's the world we're living in right now. Okay, here, here's one. Now, I, as I said before, I, I don't I do not do most of the shopping in the family. And, and my, my wife, I don't know if she enjoys it, but, but, but she does it and she embraces it. And it's good because she understands that I have no patience for this type of stuff. And the deal is, because she's very responsible and extremely frugal, I never, ever, ever complain about you know what comes into the house. And I don't complain about the size of the food budget because I know she agonizes over this stuff in ways that I probably just wouldn't because I get into the store and I just want to get out of the store. So I'm buying and grabbing whatever. But um, th- this is this is one. I okay. Sunday at the Wagner household. Sunday evenings are pizza night. You know we we have we have and sometimes we go out for pizzas, but most times we we just have frozen pizzas. You know with Palermo's pizza, what whatever. And then you know what Fran will do is she's gluten free, so she gets a different one than I do. But you know then she'll jazz them up and we'll put black olives and we'll put onions and we'll put green peppers and stuff. So jazz them up and they're actually pretty good. But I, I actually noticed this the the other day. Um, one of our texters says, anybody mentioned frozen pizza? Some brands are down to the size of kind of a dessert plate now. And that, that was true. Now, I would never complain about this because, again, then I, I, I'd have my butt over doing the shopping, which I don't want to do. But I did notice, like, that, like the pizza, I'm thinking, huh. Is this is this like the mini pizza and stuff? Because again, it's that it's that shrinkflation. And she says, "Well, I bought I bought the pizzas and it's on sale." And I'm like, "That's great, honey. I love it. Thanks at all." But I'm thinking it is. It's a little bit smaller. But that's it. Some of these frozen pizza manufacturers they're making them a little bit smaller. Shrinkflation. It it it's all over. Just have to be paying attention. I know you shop. Have you noticed the the shrinkflation? The things getting smaller without. It's like, huh, same price, but it's only 28 ounces instead of 32. Certainly that, and certainly the prices. I like a specific type of granola bar. Uh Uh-huh. And usually, and they're a little more expensive than just your run-of-the-mill ones, but it's like six bucks. It was $12 the other day. For the the package? For the the box of granola bars. Yeah. Yeah. And, And, you know, the other thing people are telling me with, like, granola bars or these energy bars and stuff, if it used to be 12 bars, it's now 10. Sure. You know, it's, it's, oh, wait a second. You just kind of change the pack. One of our texters says, Jeff, I swear that Hershey's Kisses are smaller than they used to be. I'm not sure how to prove it, but I swear they're smaller. That's you know? hilarious. You know, and, it, and I, I, you know, they're probably on to, to something like that. You know, it's just, it's one of those things. Remember, okay, have you, I, I've not been out of the studio, so I've not seen a window in the last two and a half hours. Is, is it still raining outside? It's, it's rainy. It's okay. still it's still overcast and yeah it's kind of gloomy. It looks like it's kind of moving. Out. The, the, the finally starting to move out over the lake. Right. The, the Paul Joseph. Remember Paul Joseph when I he do. used to be at Channel Four and stuff. Paul. This is back when I first started. Paul, who was of course a certified meteorologist, got very upset when any of us like talk show hosts would interpret the radar. So I mean, like I I haven't looked out a window, but I'm I'm looking at, at the big radar screen, and I mean I I don't think you need a doctorate in meteorology to understand that when that big blob of rain is principally over the lake, that it, it looks like it's kind of moving out. But whenever I'd say, oh, I'm kind of looking at the radar, and it, it looks like it's starting to get better, I'd always get this memo. Paul Joseph says you're not supposed to interpret the radar. Oh wow. Yeah, well, I didn't, so, I didn't realize you shouldn't speculate on radar. Well, no, that he's retired. I'm you know, you speculate all your. Well, that's that. That is the thing nowadays. Everybody does. That's what you have. You have the apps, and you. My wife has this. Um, it's called Dark Skies, and it's this amazing app that 
it knows where you are and it gives you these notifications it's it's going to rain where you are in 10 minutes it's i think you got to pay like 5 bucks for it and when initially she was telling me that i said you're paying 5 bucks for this it is an amazing thing like if you're on a golf course and the thing goes off and says it's going to rain in 10 minutes wow and it rains in 10 minutes wow. it's really specific to your location so but we all interpret the radar nowadays sorry Apparently paul so yes when we come back let's talk about vacations and why so many of us are bad at taking them I think the word is ironic. If you follow me on Twitter, I've got a link to this story. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. But, okay, Jimmy Kimmel, who's the, like the Jimmy Kimmel show, what's that on ABC? I, I, I don't think I've watched more than five minutes of it in the last five years. But Joe Biden is going on Jimmy Kimmel tonight. He, he's going to, he's, he's done like only uh, very, very few one-on-one interviews in the course of the last several months. And he's going on Jimmy Kimmel tonight. Now, Jimmy Kimmel's a big-time liberal, and, and you know it's going to be a lot of softballs. And 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 the, the Biden people are making no bones about this. He's trying to he, he's trying to do something that, that changes the trajectory and gets him above the upper 30s or low 40s in approval rating. He went on Jimmy Fallon, The Tonight Show, a few months ago, and that didn't move the needle. So now he, he's trying Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, there, there is this irony about it because and, and let me kind of back into the, the what I find to be ironic about this. Yesterday, I, I told you about this story and uh, involving this this Washington Post reporter who retweeted a not funny sort of sexist joke, and I put that in quotation marks, and he retweeted it. And I've always said, if, if you look at where a lot of time people get in trouble, it, it's not necessarily what they write themselves, but they they. You know, hit, it's kind of like when you hit reply all and you don't mean to do it. It's like, oh, and they hit retweet. And in this particular case, it, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't funny and it was clearly sort of sexist and he retweets it. And that draws this huge issue at the Washington Post and the reporter gets suspended without pay for a month for retreating, retweeting this, this, again, this sexist sort of joke, which is why I, I just, if, if you follow me on Twitter, I almost never retweet stuff, and if I do, it's it's generally not one of those general things you get. It might be, hey, Vince Vitrano and I were at Built Right last Saturday, and here's the group picture he took, and I retweet that. But I, it's just like passing on this stuff that came from other people. It's almost always a recipe for getting in trouble. But anyhow, it, this is in today's day and age, this is it. You get suspended without pay for a month for retweeting a unfunny, sexist, quote-unquote joke. Well, I think there is an interesting that Joe Biden is going on the Jimmy Kimmel show tonight. Where did Jimmy Kimmel first become famous? And I've got a link to this. It's the man show. He was the star of Comedy Central's The Man Show, which was the most sexist, misogynistic show perhaps in the history of television. Uh, That might be an overstatement, but it would certainly be in the top ten. And I won't even describe some of the things that they had on The Man Show from 1999 to 2004. But it is interesting to me that a Washington Post reporter gets suspended for retweeting an unfunny sexist joke, but Joe Biden sitting down with Jimmy Kimmel, who made his career by, uh, again, being on one of the more sexist misogynistic shows in the last couple decades and if you don't if you're not familiar with the man show again i've got a a link to it and it was just even for its time you were kind of like wow i can't believe that they're doing this kind of stuff but i I guess 
you know, we, we forgive some people and other people. It's like, oh, you're going to get suspended without pay for a month. All right, let us completely and totally switch gears. Uh, these these are stressful times. No, no question about it. I mean, you look at, at what's going on with the economy and prices and turmoil in the streets and high crime rates and, you know, an education system that is generally failing. The list goes on and on and on. And and so it's, it's very stressful times, which I think means more than ever, it's important for people to be able to that, that kind of take a step back from time to time and, and recharge their batteries. And that's that's what we have these things called vacations for. You know, that's that's part of the package. You, know, you go to work for a place, and I, I mean, I don't know how much vacation you get. Maybe you get two weeks, maybe you get three weeks, maybe you get four weeks, maybe you get John McCure time. I don't know exactly what that would be, but you, you get, you know, you get vacation. But there's a story that, that caught my attention in the Washington Post, and it, it the headline is, why Americans are bad at taking time off and and how to get better at it. And it makes the point that it's it's not a real vacation unless you are able to, to really disconnect. I mean if you're if you're on vacation, quote unquote vacation, you're you're at Disney World, okay, and you're you're there with your kids or your grandkids or whatever, and you've got your cell phone out and you're involved in conference calls, and you're checking your emails every 15 minutes, and you're calling in to your partners, your administrative assistant, or you're you know answering client calls or whatever. It's really, it's not a vacation. What you've just done is you've relocated your workplace to arguably a more pleasant, but admittedly more expensive place. But when you come back, you're, you're not you're not charged up. And I think, you know, a lot of us, a lot of people would say that this is one of the biggest problems, that they just cannot disconnect. Now, I don't have that problem. I, I don't. When I'm when I'm gone, I, people say, well, who's filling in for you? I, say, I don't know. I, you know, it's not, not my problem. Somebody else is going to schedule that. And it's 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 my time slot, but it's not the Wagner show when Wagner's not there. But I, I have no problem disconnecting. But I know for a lot of people, it is a huge issue. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you or people you know, people close to you maybe, have trouble doing that, have trouble disconnecting on vacation? And and what's the answer? Because, I mean, I, I understand we all have this, well, this important person complex that, gee, if, I, if, if I'm not there everything's going to fall apart and, and go to you-know-what. But the truth of the matter is, you know, in general, I mean, life does, in fact, go on. Do you feel, when you're on vacation, that you have an obligation to check in with the office two or three times a day, that you have an obligation to answer requests from clients or or whatever? Or is it enough to say, hey, I'm on vacation, I'm punched out, 855-616-1620. Can you go on vacation? And I mean really go on vacation why or why not? I'm hearing from a couple people who, who run small businesses and stuff, and they're saying, well, it's, it's, I, I, I can't do that. I, I, can't, I can't leave. I can't take a vacation. And I guess my, my question is, though, is, is that really healthy? Do, do, is that really the case? Or doesn't everybody need some kind of backup plan? I mean, for example, I know, I know a 
couple people, one in particular, runs runs a small restaurant, family-owned small restaurant, and but recognized that he couldn't be there, you know, six days a week. They'd be closed one day. He needed some time to take away for vacations. And so, you know, it, it took him a while to do it, but, you know, he finally found somebody that he could trust to to run the restaurant in, in his place. I guess from the pers- – why are we as Americans just so bad at, at taking – time off. And it's not just the, the self-employed person. I mean, I think in, in general, there's a lot of people who, who get four weeks of vacation or get three weeks of vacation and they only use one. Why in the world would that be the case? Let's talk to um, Bob. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Good. What do you think? Good. Well, I work in the financial institutions sector and I have to take a week off a year by federal law. The problem is, is that when I take a week off, nobody does my work for me. Mm-hmm. Nobody takes care of my emails. Nobody takes care of my clients. There's just me. If I don't at least do my emails when I'm on vacation, by the time I get back, I'm working 10-hour days for a month plus just to catch up. What would ever happen? That's how my company treats it. What, what, what would, I'm just curious, I'm, and I believe you, I'm just, but what, what would happen if, if you ever – you know, got sick, for example, and weren't in the office for for a month. What I mean, what what would happen then? That may be different, and they may have to at that point because it's a month. But a week, they don't care, and I just have to do the work. Or, like I said, it falls onto me and onto my shoulders when I get back. Yeah. And the problem now is that we're so short of people because people aren't working that, and we can't hire people. And these are really, really good paying jobs. Yeah. Um, there's just nobody to do the work, and if you don't do it, it's left on your shoulders, and you gotta, you gotta, you know, try and pick it up when you get back. Yeah. No. Uh, thanks for call. I, I appreciate it. And again, I, I, I know that. I mean, I, I understand. There's lots of my friends are attorneys, and, and the idea is even if you're on vacation, that you should be accessible. And if a client calls at four o'clock at night, doesn't matter if you're, you know, in in Orlando, Florida, or whatever. You need to stop and talk to them. That that didn't always be the case. It used to be. No, I'm I'm sorry. You know, Mister or Miss So and So is is out of the office, and they'll 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 be back on Monday. And you know, is there? Can you wait? till then or you know we'll have is there somebody else you need to talk to you know what the truth is too most of the time not all but most of the time you know it 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 can wait you know let's talk about the financial advisor thing you know you you call your financial advisor because you don't like what's going on in the market and oh i i'm sorry jeff is out of town it, I, you call on a wednesday jeff's out of town on monday can i you know ask him to get back to you on on monday well sure for most people they would probably say yes. Jeff, I go on a lot of motorcycle vacations, and I absolutely love that I can stay off my phone, and at times I don't even have phone service. But I travel with some people that absolutely cannot disconnect. Sadly, I feel like they are missing out on some epic portions of these trips because of the addiction that they need to be connected back home to people or at work. Um, personal relaxation and enjoyment is clearly a lost art. You know, I, I'm looking at the story in the Washington Post, and, and they say that there's a, a lot of things that go on. Some people don't take vacations because they're afraid they'll be replaced, or, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you're you're gone, so we had somebody else do your job, or we had two temporary people do their job, and so your, your job's not going to be there. Um, the indispensable person thing, nobody can handle this, you know, but... But me, um, you know, we'd had a couple of texters say, but I, I can't take it off because I'm the boss. 
Well, and the, the, I think the response to that is, well, again, what, what happens if you get sick? Don't you have to have some sort of backup plan? I mean, what would happen if, Lord forbid, you, you had to be gone for two weeks and you just didn't, you didn't have that choice? Don't you need to have some sort of backup plan? There, there's all these things that are going on, but uh, I, I guess as I look at this world now, I become more and more convinced that we all need to figure out what our, our work-life balance is going to be. And that doesn't mean, you know, you, you sit on your butt and don't work, That, but at the same time, it, it means that life is short. And if you're working 75 an hour, 80 hours a week, and you're, you're not able to get away at all, and you're obsessed with not missing that call, or you've got to answer every email in the first 15 seconds, then why bother going on vacation in the first place if that's how you're going to be? Just saying.